climbing can mean a lot of things. It can relate to training or performance, maybe your winter or summer seasons, sport or bouldering, or inside or outside. We climbers move our way through the seasons with different expectations and outcomes. But whether you have a seasonal approach to your climbing or not, we want you to know what it's all about and how to prepare your climbing, your training, and nutrition around these seasonal shifts. No matter which season you're about to enter, this episode will get you psyched on what comes next. Sit back and relax. You're listening to The Average Climber Podcast. What's up, Caitlin? You know, just living the dream over here and uh, really (laughs) excited to talk about today's topic. What's going on with you? (laughs) Oh, just having having myself i'm in a closet (laughs) again um it's almost over those days are coming i know days of closet and all of that will be coming to an end soon i will have a place (laughs) to live it will be delightful um but yes still in a closet still elbowing my coat as as of right now but speaking of closets what are some things people store in closets caitlin Ooh, skeletons. Okay, um, sure. Yes. <laughs> maybe some shoes, mm, sweaters. Obviously. Yes. Lot, lots of okay. stuff, really. This ties into our fun fact for today. Ooh, but another excellent. thing people store in closets, especially those that used to be a part of uh, bowling leagues, they store bowling balls. The old bowling ball falling on you when you open the closet bit. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, every cartoon ever, right? I've literally never thought about this beyond this context ever. Continue, please. Okay, perfect. So today's fun fact is brought to you by my in-person training session I had with Nate Rolla <laughs> yesterday. But we were talking about two-finger pockets um, and just different positions you can have with your fingers in different pockets. Did he pockets. tell you to go bowling? No, he did not tell me to go bowling, (laughs) but I learned a very interesting thing about what makes the ball, the bowling ball spin or what kind (gasps) of like sets the spin of a bowling ball. Oh, Um, Yeah, it's really neat. Um, Okay, so I want you to take your hand out in front of you and like flatten and listener do this too. And if you're driving, don't do this. But if you aren't driving, get your hands up. Okay, so you're going to take your hand, right? And then kind of like face your palm towards you and then curl, you know, put your hands in the position like you're going to put them in a bowling ball. Um, And you'll have a flat wrist. One note that Nate brought up is that a lot of bowlers will actually, um, they will have their like wrist guards on so that their Mm -hmm. wrists don't flop back. But so now I want you to look at your middle finger and your ring finger. And Caitlin, would you say that they're the same length or different lengths? How would you compare those two fingers in this position for you right now? Well, considering that eyeball may be a weird way, um, my Wait. ring finger is down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, put it back up. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, or maybe I'm, now I'm like, how do bowling balls work? No, maybe it is your, oh, never mind. You're right. It is your pointer finger and your middle finger. I was like, how can this you is bowl? about <laughs> You can't do that. I'm just thinking of how I like to grab pockets right now. Okay. Yes. Pointer finger and middle finger. And now okay. I'm like second guessing every, the four times I've gone bowling. But anyways, <laughs> so you will note that they are not the exact same length. Correct. correct. Yes. So the difference in the lengths of these two fingers is what actually sets the bowling ball off on its spin path so depending yeah isn't that fun it's not like the way it's not like the way your wrist flicks it's like how you know obviously you got to throw it but then it's the way that the ball falls off the tips of those two fingers is how the spin of the ball is set it isn't that fun and we were we were having this discussion based on the topic of Picking whether or not to use front two or back two based on the nature of the hold that you're trying oh. to grab and like the shape of the hold, which was also very interesting. But we can we can get into that fun fact um, on another day. But there you have it. Now you all have a useless fact about 
bowling for the wow. next time your work forces you to go to a weird bowling social. Um, I want to yes. go bowling now because now I want to try all different like, <laughs> finger, finger <laughs> configurations, like first two, middle two, back two, <laughs> and see what what the spin does and how it changes. But yeah, that's I'm intriguing. A, I yes. wonder how they figured that out. I don't know. I feel bowling like bowling, nerds. bowling. I also feel like baseball is like kind of a nerd sport. Like when you get down, <laughs> like there's a lot of like statistical analysis that happens in True. in a lot of sports, but baseball feels very nerd centric, s- nerd sp- statistical analysis <laughs> to me anyway. But I don't know a lot about baseball. And anyways, this is a climbing podcast. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. You're listening to the Average Climber podcast. I am Lauren. I'm a certified personal trainer and climbing coach. And this is my lovely co-host, Caitlin. I'm Caitlin, and I am a certified nutrition specialist. And hooray. Ooh. hooray. Well, I'm not an and. I'm just saying I I am so excited to talk about today's topic because I feel like this is something that we haven't talked about yet, certainly, but no. I really don't hear it talked about at all in the context I think we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I also think this is a really, this is like a very helpful thing and also just a very like base level important thing for you to understand and also a great not simple because it isn't always simple to implement this, but it is, you know, it does lack a certain complexity and it's a great way to just kind of like take stock of what you're doing and be a lot more intentional without making it super duper complicated. So today, without further ado, we are talking about seasonality in terms of climbing training and nutrition. And before we get into what that means and all of that, I am going to read a testimonial from one of Caitlin's clients, and this individual is remaining anonymous, but alas, here we go. So when this client was asked how their relationship to food and self has changed, here is what they had to say. I don't feel like I have to earn my food. I really try to feed myself consistently, whether I train hard that day or not. I'm trying to embrace the concept that food ought to be enjoyed. I've started to prioritize a lifestyle that allows me to build routines to regulate my nervous system and build healthy habits. I don't have as many emotions around food, like believing I have to, quote, earn, quote, an indulgent food. I love the air quotes, and they put the quotes in here. (laughs) It's excellent. (laughs) Um, So they say, I don't have to, quote, earn a, a, quote, indulgent food, feel feeling guilty about eating out or feeling disappointed in myself for eating a frozen pizza once a week. I'm working on enjoying what I eat, being thankful for what I eat, nourishing myself when I eat and being kind to myself. This is amazing. Oh my God. I love these success stories because like, of course, success is subjective and sometimes it isn't as measurable, but I feel like with this particular client, we just spent a lot of time together and I was so amazed at the, you know, the transformations and the the change in thought and all that good stuff. So this was a yeah, that's really amazing. awesome. Yeah, I it's love so that. Nice. <laughs> it is. It really is. It's like not only probably is the way they're eating better, but also their relationship to food and their ability to totally. like enjoy the joy of life that is food. That is so cool. Oh my gosh, Magical. I love that. Magical. Okay. So we have some just kind of discussion topics, and this is fun because seasonality is pertinent to both training and nutrition. So we're definitely tag teaming this episode a lot, and it's always fun to get to go back and forth. So Caitlin, I want to ask you first, what does seasonality mean to you in the context of nutrition? Seasonality for me in the context of nutrition is probably what I'd call like a a parameter that might dictate your goals or how you plan for a certain time of year or time in your life. So it's it's kind of like a, a time frame that may not be it may it may not last the whole year, so to speak. What does that mean for you? Um honestly very similar vein. So seasonality for me kind of means knowing your priorities and what is mm. important to you for certain parts of the year, whether that's climbing whether that's another sport whether that's training for climbing or trying to like send 
you know, a climb outside or have an outdoor season or even just go on a trip outside. Right. So it's kind of like being intentional with your time and what your priorities are. I like intentional timing with priorities. I feel like that's a nice succinct Mm -hmm. way to describe it. And I feel like with training, for me, it makes sense to have seasonality with Mm -hmm. training, but with nutrition, I feel like it's a little bit more arbitrary. At least for me, like when I think about my sports nutrition class in grad school, we talked a lot about periodization, but Mm. more so from the standpoint of, okay, you have different seasons throughout your year. It might be preseason, season, postseason, and then you know, maintenance. And that could be something like, I'll give the example of a collegiate athlete. Like they have pretty defined seasons when they're training versus when they're not. And then usually their nutrition can be periodized around those different types of seasons. So I feel like what's cool about climbing is that it's more nuanced maybe, Mm -hmm. but it also, I feel like is a really exciting opportunity to talk about this in the context of what we like to do and all of our really extreme training. (laughs) Yes. One thing I'll say too, is that I think, you know, when we become adults and we're not on the soccer team or whatever, and we don't have these things laid out for us, I think it can be challenging to think Mm -hmm. of life in terms of seasons, um, apart from just like flu season. (laughs) cold allergy season, season. <laughs> misery seasons why is that all we're thinking halloween the season <laughs> okay. you know what i true, mean true, true, but true. really it in but you know i think it can be hard for adults to think of things in terms of seasons because a of all to kind of dictate what your seasons are and what your priorities are you kind of have to like do it yourself almost um barring that you know you don't have like mm-hmm. some obvious weather patterns you got to manage around especially for outdoor climbing goals obviously but then i also think as we become adults, we don't necessarily always get the like sports nutrition information from the perspective that we're athletes, right? Like we kind of get nutrition right. information for like the general population. Um, but if you're having or seasons of, right. Um, <laughs> but if you're having seasons of training and like yada, yada, then like keto carnivore mushroom tea diet, <laughs> is like not that you're just supposed to be doing like all the time or something um, does not like jive with the idea that you're an athlete going through different types of priorities and way your body is operating and amounts of rest that you're getting. So I think like seasonality and nutrition is interesting because I definitely don't think like adult recreational climbers get that kind of education or even think of their nutrition as something that might like change throughout the seasons like I think as we become adults it's just like you need to eat your vegetables or you'll have high blood pressure and cholesterol and you'll die (laughs) and like that's that's the like speech yeah that's (laughs) like like the um pop nutrition yeah like you're old now and then you just like will never whatever I don't know like your body's different and now you just only can eat leaves like yeah it's (laughs) there are a lot of Lots to unpack there, but <laughs> yeah. I do think with seasonality, it's it's something that I, I'm starting to talk about more with athletes because I think as people get further into their training or mm-hmm. their seasonal cycles with climbing, they're starting to realize that some things that they maybe did before aren't working anymore. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, that was just working, you know, three months ago. Why is it not working now? And it's a good opportunity to then be able to say like, okay, well, maybe they're, maybe what you were doing then worked, but meet yourself where you are now and try and figure out what's going to work right now for this specific time frame. Uh-huh. And this is actually a really timely episode because I'm currently in the process of like very much switching up my amount of activity and the types of activities that I'm doing and kind of like the intensities that I'm doing them with. So I like now is kind of a time point where I'm realizing like, oh, I probably need to like check in with some of this stuff because the stuff that was working for the past two or three months like might have to change a little bit um, and might look different as I go, um, which is cool to think about. So sweet. So when you talk to your athletes about seasonality and when you're kind of like game planning for people, how long in advance do you usually talk about like this planning process and these seasons that we're referring to? 
Yeah, it's a that's a really good question. And I think for nutrition, it depends. For some people, it might be one to two months. For some, mm-hmm. it might be three to six. It gotcha. just kind of depends on a few things. So for example, I'll use training season as a, a good way to describe this. So you mm-hmm. may want to prioritize certain dietary approaches like increasing calories and maybe protein during this preseason mm-hmm. or training season, maybe before you're trying to perform so that you don't go into training without an idea of what you should aim for. So, you know, maybe if you go into your sessions and you're experiencing things like a bad session or you have really low energy overall, you have brain fog or maybe Mm -hmm. injuries are popping up, that would be to me a good sign that not good. You know what I mean? A sign, an indicator. (laughs) An omen. Yeah. (laughs) An An omen omen. that you should have called me. A banshee of nutrition. (laughs) Ah, Eat a car. That's my my banshee impression. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Put that on a t-shirt, please. Uh. Um, Anyway, um, what what does planning and seasonal planning look like for you? Because I know we've talked about this a lot in our group coaching program, uh, Breakthrough, Mm. which we host once a year. Um, But I I really want to know what your seasonality looks like with your athletes. Ooh, okay. That's a great question. So I have done this activity a few times and I think it's really fun. Um, And sometimes for people like there are life, I really like to have an annual plan if I can. And obviously the farther out we go, the harder it can be to kind of like predict. But I really love like 12 months out if we can do it. There's also times where people are like, I know I'm moving somewhere or I know like Mm. big life event is happening and I'm not sure where I'm going to be or like what's going on. Or especially like I've coached people that are in like med school and stuff and they're like, I don't know where I'm going to be like, you know, and so those people are like, start like sweating when I'm like, let's plan a year out. They're like, I don't know what's happening with my, Uh, and I'm like, stop, stop, stop. Never mind. It's fine. We'll look at the back it up. (laughs) Back it up. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it is really nice to kind of have this annual plan. Um, and I've leaned back on mine because you think like in January or whatever time of the year you decide to make this, you'll be like, Oh, this will all make sense. I'll like, remember this. I don't even need to write this down, but you know, it'll come to the end of a month and I'll be like, Oh, like it's time I'm like it's time and I like you know and good thing I like wrote this all down because I wrote like even though I'm like very much a big planner and like kind of like to know what's going on um I think it can be really helpful to have kind of like an annual view of what you're doing and that way too if you ever feel like something gets messed up or you feel like you are spending a lot of time working on like XYZ goal specifically, it can be like, okay, in the grand scheme of things, this is only like two months of my year that I'll be like dedicating to this. Like there's a lot of other fish to fry. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of other things going on. So I, yeah, I like looking out, you know, at least if we can, I love three months out of knowing what we're doing and kind of what things look like. Cause I also really like to, you know, think of my athletes in terms of, I want you to like accomplish your goals, but I also want to build in like you learning new skills and like growing and getting stronger. And I think it's helpful to know the seasons where you're going to be like trying to push the envelope and also know the seasons that will be more focused on like learning and getting better. Do you feel like all of those things aside, like if we're looking at a year out, do you feel like it makes a difference with your athletes if they do this in January versus like July? Have you ever really seen any, any changes there? Hmm. I feel like the points in time where people really seem to reset and this just might be due to like when, well, maybe (laughs) society. Yes. Um, for sure. But then also kind of like the times of the year where it's generally the worst times for climbing outside. So like usually in winter, if you're somewhere that you're like, okay, everything is covered in snow or like really cold, you'll be like, I guess I should train for when it is not like this. And that's when people are naturally like, I guess I should like plan or summertime is often too when people are like, you know, maybe work lightens up a little bit. I know a lot of places in New York City, for example, like do summer Fridays. Like it just feels like the summertime, maybe people are more like footloose and fancy free or they're like, 
oh, I have like an end of summer, like climbing trip coming up or like yada, yada. And so people really start thinking, of you know, like the sunshine starts coming out and you're like, I'm a new person, spring, rebirth, yada, yada. Yes. Let's like make <laughs> a plan for the year. So that's a really good question. I never thought of that. But yeah, I don't yeah. feel like I ever get people in like the middle. Well, not necessarily. But, you know, I think people like. January is obviously common because the whole world is telling you, like, think about your next year. And there's also, like, I would have to find the paper. But there's definitely general, like, research evidence showing that, you know, there's, like, certain times where everyone's reflecting. So people are reflecting more. And I forget what that's called. I would have to really dig in to find this that I'm referring to. But, yeah, so I think that's a... But whatever. We're publishing this in May. So summer... Yes. Summer, get on it. But that's the thing with, I think, seasonality too. It's like, for me, I always had, well, let's like think about what I think a lot of people experience, like going back to school, probably August, September, like that Mm -hmm. was such a like dedicated season in our lives. And even if you were to say, okay, let's start your training plan in three weeks. Like I, I'd be willing to bet that someone would say, oh, I want to start on Monday versus like a Thursday because yeah, I feel like absolutely. we're, we're kind of like cyclical in our nature and there's like a, a period of time that's like a restart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I also think just speaking on the school thing, like at least for me, like with dance team, with like whatever, there was always like summer training camp, like yeah. over the summer when we were Same. in school, it was like, you will be at practice always because you guys Mm -hmm. don't have homework (laughs) so yeah like it was just you know whatever whatever thing I was doing like theater yada yada it was always like summer is when you like right get sweaty and get after it and so I think like some of that maybe lingers on so yeah so too but I feel like well before we go further I'm curious to know what you feel like are some advantages to taking this seasonal approach because you know we've kind of talked about why we like it Mm -hmm. what we're looking at for different people but do you feel like there are some specific advantages as to you know like why you utilize this yeah totally one I think it gives you like peace of mind and also can kind of mitigate decision fatigue because okay so imagine imagine not having a plan right like you don't know what you want to do and then every time you go to the gym or go climbing it's kind of like I guess I'll do this or I have to decide this or I have to decide x y and z or am I going to go climb at this place or am I going to climb at this place like yada yada like that's just a lot of decisions like that's kind of exhausting or if you like enjoy multiple sports dear god you're like am I doing this today (laughs) well I go to this different like movement class or am I going to go like that's just so much deciding so I think if you can like stop and make an intentional plan for your year and go in this three-month period this is the number one priority and I will be either performing in this sport or training in this sport. And here's what's going on the back burner. It is so much easier to make decisions in your day to day because you know what your like ultimate goal and what your purpose is in that season. So that's like Mm. a big advantage is that I just think it's like less mentally exhausting. And if there are things like, you know, if you're not the kind of person that like really has goals and you don't care, then like maybe this conversation is like less relevant. Or if you're super new to climbing and you just need to like go climbing and this complexity of seasonality isn't relevant to you, then that's totally fine. But I think if you're someone that like does have goals and wants to get things done, it can be really comforting to not be, you know, not feel like you... always yeah it's not good to feel like it's good to not feel aimless it's good to feel like Mm -hmm. you have times where you're like going hard and times where going hard like to perform and times where you are just trying to become a better rock climber because I think trying to do it all all the time and not having any like structure to that can be mentally exhausting especially especially if you enjoy multiple sports so yeah that's kind of my my what I enjoy and what I think is really valuable about seasonal planning um yeah because all of y'all are making a lot of decisions every day so make yeah. it simpler and decide take, once what it's important to you and then go from there out of the equation. yeah <laughs> I totally agree though I feel like having the seasonal approach takes that sort of like pressure to always force peak performance away like it <laughs> yeah it, oh yeah it the idea is like there's parts of the year where you can just be focused on getting better and you don't have to be like absolutely killing it versus the idea that you should just be climbing your absolute best all year round that's stressful 
Yeah. Well, think about people <laughs> who like, I don't know if, how many van lifers you have, but I've worked with several who it's like their seasons are spent in different parts of the country mm-hmm. because of, you know, where temps are. And I'm yeah. like, that's a rough way to live. Cause like if you go to the red and then you come to Waco, eh, yeah, That's I mean, a big switch. I would be really interested to see how people like, because yeah, I have coached like quite a few um, people that are hashtag van lifing um, and some of them for a very long time. But yeah, it is interesting because like part of the time, I think for them, I haven't really had to have this discussion of like, are you deciding it's time to train right now? Because mm-hmm. for a lot of them, if they're deciding to work with me, that means they're kind of okay being like, <laughs> we're going to train or we're going to like, you know, whatever, like they've already kind of self-selected that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's be it'd be kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, what's the mentality of that to be just kind of like on a never ending climbing trip? I think I would find things I want to send and be like, kind of, that's it. <laughs> yeah, like kind of on edge about doing everything all the time. <laughs> like, I think it might be yeah. hard for me, um, but maybe not. I don't know. That's an interesting conundrum. Yeah, um, I, I can't operate that way. That's too yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed though. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like with, seasonality and nutrition something that people don't always think about too is like okay if you have let me go back to collegiate athletes they're just the easiest to give an example of um because I've worked with a lot of collegiate (laughs) athletes and the ones that come to mind for me are swimmers because Mm. they they do some extreme things yeah they do yeah and like during season they're nearly doubling their calorie intake but postseason, we gradually return them to more of a maintenance calorie amount that's like more appropriate, appropriately dosed for their current needs. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's helpful to have that understanding and awareness of, okay, like if you're trying to go really hard, let's say you have like a big climbing trip that came up or is coming up and you want to be ready, like what do you need to do to meet the mm-hmm. needs of that training training and then go into that trip like really well prepared and fueled and uh you know like with the adaptations you've trained for because Mm -hmm. I think cycling through your seasons helps minimize Jesus (laughs) (laughs) minimize arbitrary rules that we place Mm. on foods and then maybe also gives us a break from feeling like we have to stick with something for yeah ever like you said like keto and carnivore like that's not intended to be forever y'all like if (laughs) almost it's intended to be never in my mind but you know I try not to be absolute (laughs) yeah 100% cool well I think after the break we are going to be talking about some seasonal planning examples because you're like seasonal planning I get it it sounds good but what does that actually look like so we have a few examples um of what planning is Italian yes hey what are we talking about yeah so um uh oh did earth Tony enter the chat hey I'm earth Tony why don't you recycle something oh earth Tony I've really been waiting to introduce you to our audience Hey, um, it was Earth Day last month. You still recycling a what? Okay, this has gone too far. Earth Tony, you got to go. Goodbye. All right. See you later. <laughs> I'm walking you. Okay, we're going to break. Oh my God. <laughs> Cut Lauren off. <laughs> you know what movie scenes really spoke to me growing up? The makeover montages. Like Lizzie McGuire going on a shopping spree with her pop star icon twin. Or Caddy Heron's Good Girl Gone Bad transformation in Mean Girls. Or, better yet, Anne Hathaway's iconic bangs in The Devil Wears Prada. I actually tried out those bangs in 8th grade. Turns out they don't look so hot when you have a massive cowlick in the middle of your forehead. Anyways, the fact is that I love a good makeover. I like seeing how a few simple tweaks can lead to a stunning before and after. And though I'm no Hollywood fashion guru, I've started a little makeover game of my own. With training plans, of course. Every week, I take an audience member's training plan and offer the adjustments needed to take it from all right to excellent. Inside of the weekly training plan makeover, I take you step-by-step through the how and why behind my recommendations that you can watch in a short, actionable video. The catch. 
This is only available to those on my email list. So if you want to get the weekly training plan makeover delivered straight to your inbox, or maybe even get a training plan makeover of your own, then make sure to get signed up for the weekly training plan makeover at the link in our show notes. All right, and we are back. Our dear uncle, Earth Tony, has started, (laughs) but he wanted me to remind you about the evils of single-use plastics. Um, (laughs) And I wanted to let you know that Earth Tony has some really great khakis on because of who he is as a person. Um, Okay, so, all right. (laughs) If you're an artist, please send us your best rendition of Earth Tony. Yes, Earth Tony loves it when people send portraits of him um <laughs> and he loves his khaki cargo pants he loves he yep. loves how he can fit pepperonis in his pockets okay i'm done <laughs> oh my i'm so rude <laughs> we were just talking to you about how we really dropped the ball on earth day we should have done a whole episode with lauren being earth tony but I know. next year alas That's okay we'll see if earth tony can come to visit more often we, we yeah love, earth we love the world him. needs earth tony anyway so he's your he's your favorite he's your favorite crag dad he's your favorite uh spokesperson He's there you your go. most he's your most angry spokesperson. Okay, anyways, <laughs> we are he's very boisterous. Um okay, perfect. So back to what we were talking about. See, we always warn you we're always like this is a boring topic. We'll just sprinkle chaos into it and we'll have more fun. Um okay, amazing. So back to our three different examples that I am going to lay out for you. So, the first one I want to talk about um, is someone that primarily climbs in the gym. Because I know many of you, um, and I've definitely gotten this question before, where it's like, how can I have training seasons and performance seasons? And real quick before I dive into this, because I'm going to be talking about training and performance seasons a lot. So in a nutshell, a training season is when you are primarily focused on getting better, shoring up weaknesses, you performing at your highest level is not the priority. Um, so you're probably like feeling more tired and run down during a training season. During a performance season, you are trying to, you know, put some PRs on the board, send some hard things, um, you know, do do the stuff that you want to do, like achieve those outcome goals. And you're probably going to be resting more to achieve those things. Um, This is like a very binary view of this and there can kind of be like a more blended version, especially like the, you know, periods where you're maybe transitioning out of training and into a performance season. But we're going to keep this nice and simple and as black and white as possible just for ease of discussion. So, Caitlin, any questions on the difference between training and performance season? I think that's pretty pretty cut and dry. I think it's very, yeah. Very easy to grasp. grasp. For sure, talked about it before, but if this is your first episode, um, what a funky episode to show up in the middle of. Um, (laughs) We're sorry. (laughs) But also, we're not. (laughs) We are unapologetic here. Um, Okay, but yes, so let's say you are. So the question I get a lot is like, I primarily climb in the gym. I barely get to climb outside. And honestly, my goals are mainly just to get better in the climbing gym, which is totally fair. Um, and that makes sense for a large portion of the country. And I love that. And do do you, that rules, getting better at climbing in the gym is fun. You get to climb more boulders and, it's, and ropes and it's great. Um, okay. So what I would tell you to do if you aren't necessarily, um, you know, beholden to the whims of the weather, as it were, I would aim to do like eight to 12 week training blocks. And during those times, um, you might find that you get, you are more tired uh, overall because you will be training. But then I would take a break. Like being training all the time is going to feel really unsatisfying. And you technically could do that if you primarily and exclusively climb in the gym. Like you could just keep training, but it's like, what are we training for? So I would say, you know, do your like two to three month long training block and then give yourself a month or so of like, just going climbing for fun, taking the rest days you need, and then just like trying to get some new PRs in the gym or whatever like makes you happy or just like take a break from the training and like climb stuff and like flex and see what you can do. Um, But yeah. And then also if you like to boulder in the gym and sport climb in the gym, I would say maybe try to like separate those goal periods out into different times of the year, just so that you aren't trying to like do a training, you know, this will kind of make sense in our next example where I talk about being a sport climber boulder combo, but like similar thing applies if that's like what you like to do in the gym too, you know, um, 
Yeah. Like, yeah. don't try to be doing all of it all the time. Like, maybe pick parts of the year where you're like, I'll be getting after my boulder goals, like, for these three or four months, and then I'm going to switch to caring more about sport climbing. And I think that's a good way to, like, keep it fresh, too, even if you are yeah. just climbing. In, even if you are climbing in the gym, just climbing in the gym. There is no like- outdoor elitism here. Absolutely not. That is <laughs> no, so no, shitty. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Um, but do you, do you feel like, like, how often do you see a climber like that who is dedicating like parts of their training seasons inside to like bouldering inside versus sport climbing inside because I've I'm I would well okay I guess I would say I'm primarily an outdoor (laughs) climber but Mm -hmm. I I will switch my training inside to be exclusively one or the other based on what time of year it is Mm -hmm. do you feel like it's maybe like more common than not to have this like seasonality in the gym like I I'm hoping you can kind of like normalize that because I yeah I feel like we don't talk about that ever no and I also think a lot of times when people like get hooked on gym climbing too especially their first few years of climbing they kind of latch on to one or the other they're either like mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. like bouldering or I really like sport climbing and I don't I mean, obviously, this is a huge generalization, (laughs) but, like, not always do I find someone that's, like, equally psyched about both um, and, like, likes to flip-flop or even likes to think about gym climbing as something where you'd, like, train and then, like, give yourself some time off to actually, like, PR. Like, it's kind of just this idea of, like, I'm going to keep going to the gym and then keep trying to send the next hard thing and I'll just do that for infinity without, like, much of a much of a like goal structure in there this is also i'm not talking about competition climbing here just because i truly don't coach that very much um and i think a majority of our listeners aren't like primarily competition climbers but like that obviously yeah. would change how you approach this as well but yeah i don't think i like see that a lot i think this like idea of seasonality maybe feels like it doesn't apply if you primarily have gym climbing based goals since there aren't mm. seasons um but i definitely recommend like taking the time even if your goals are primarily just for getting better for getting better in the gym um yeah still have times where you're gonna train like if you want to get better faster if you don't I guess that's fine but yeah just something to something to think about because yeah Mm. I don't I don't think I see it that often honestly yeah I I I feel like I never see this like it's it's very black and white here Mm -hmm. but I'm excited for a few weeks from now when the nonlinear progression episode comes out. Oh because yes, I think this will. Sort I think of that'll be the like out. next ep- the two weeks following when this episode comes yep. out. So yeah, so yeah. stay tuned. There's a little Easter egg for you. Yeah, it's gonna be whatever. Sick. We just recorded <laughs> so. it yesterday at the time this is being recorded, so it's gonna be it's gonna be good. good. Yeah, nice. okay. Kind of rounds this out really sick. well. Caitlin, do you have any nutrition comments for this person? I think this will perhaps feel nutritionally similar to some of my other examples so don't give away all your secrets but (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I think if you are someone who is a gym climber even if you're not going outside don't let someone tell you like oh well also I'm not sure we are really like I am so sensitive to the issue that people that like primarily climb in the gym get called like not real climbers and shit and I just think it's so fucking rude so when I say like gym climber we're like only the qualifiers that not that you're not a real climber we're just like speaking specifically about this yeah, example like, i will fight any like if someone is being rude to you about that tag me on the internet i will fight <laughs> we'll for yell you. i yeah, will be a bitch for you climber in the comments is not because that is so elitist and shitty um and if you are mean to people about that fuck you <laughs> um, totally not all people get to live close to rock climbing and have that privilege so don't be a fucking dick about it okay yeah. anyways Caitlin oh, go on <laughs> real yeah I I definitely think with indoor climbing you could potentially be just like burning a lot of your energy mm. very fast because yes. if you're you someone, don't have to wait for shit exactly <laughs> you don't have to move a pad you don't like yeah like you know there's I guess if you're the, like belaying and like there's a sport climbing going on it's still a little slower but still like but not overall or climbing for sure <laughs> yeah you're gonna probably be climbing more and mm. you're gonna have like just more going on in that session so i would in a lot of instances with gym climbers, um, if you're training in a gym too, you know, like not just on the wall, but you're doing a lot of extra things. I think people assume, okay, well, I'm not like, you know, getting a ton of mileage in terms of like distance. I think 
we still don't think of like, okay, I'm going up and down a boulder or maybe it's a sport route. Like if you're doing that pretty rapidly, you're, you're burning a lot of energy. So in those instances, I usually like to suggest a larger energy consumption Mm -hmm. goal. Um, energy means calories here, if that's not clear, but it just, (laughs) it just means that it's a really important time to get your calories figured out, like to understand, okay, well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a training block and I'm going to be climbing a lot. Um, if you're going to be like, let's say just going in with a focused training mentality and then switching to like a performance timeframe with just climbing, you're probably going to want to evaluate, you know, if you need more energy coming in on either one of those cycles. So it it might depend. I can't say one or the other will require more, but it really Mm -hmm. depends on you as a person, what your training looks like, how long it is, and Mm -hmm. then also what your, your climbing looks like during that, you know, month long timeframe. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you might be thinking like, oh, well, if I'm taking more rest days during like a performance period, like, yeah, maybe. But then also your gym sessions where you're like trying to send something might be like very hard and very mm-hmm. rampagey and you might still need like a lot of energy. So yeah, those are some really, really good comments. Okay, let's move on to the next example, which is our sport climber boulderer combination. I will be honest. I created this example out of basically what I have been doing. <laughs> um, this is Lauren exemplified. This is, yeah, not totally because mine's like more annoying and detailed and involves skiing and like all this crap. But so I I I dumbed it down. But I also think this is a fairly common combination. Um, and there's a few ways yeah. to kind of go about this. Um, and actually, the summer definitely diverges from. Yeah, actually, this isn't really me as a base. It doesn't matter. The example is universal. So let's get into it. Okay. So this for is winter, me actually. So this is maybe more you. Yeah. That's <laughs> real, wow. I'm just projecting here. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow. So in winter, um, and when I say these things are probably like, wow, like three or four whole months, am I not allowed to like change stuff up sooner? Sure. You can, but for the purposes of this podcast, your I'm, life. Not, <laughs> I'm not going to go through a year in six week chunks. Cause we would all like our eyes would be bleeding and you would be confused, <laughs> especially if you're a visual learner. So we're going four chunks of yep. year instead of like a lot more. Um, okay. So winter. So this is what a sport climber boulder might be doing. So you might be training with some, outdoor bouldering so winter would be like your you know uh and also some boulders might argue with me and be like winter's the best time to boulder fair scoot this all by like one one season sure but there's also places where like like leavenworth is covered in snow you can't really can't necessarily there yeah snow and rain (laughs) right like you will need it to be spring so you know, this isn't a Waco calendar, but anyways, so winter (laughs) you'd be training with some outdoor bouldering. So you, maybe there's somewhere where you can go. It's not the best conditions, but you can like get out there on like the warmer days and make it happen. But primarily you are in a training season. Then spring, you flip a switch. You are in outdoor boulder performance mode. You are trying to send boulders. You're trying to get outside as much as possible and you're training. You're still training a little bit, but it's definitely more maintenance oriented training where you're just kind of trying to like maintain and it's definitely a lot less challenging overall versus your uh, winter training cycle. Then summer, oh my God, it's hot. I can't grab these holds anymore. I got to get my ass to the gym. It's air conditioned in there. So then we switch to summer um, and you are training for sport climbing now. So you are preparing for sport climbing. You're probably doing more endurance work than you were doing before. Um, And then also, you know, like there's still some ways to get to some outdoor sport climbing. So you go along with your training, you do like maybe one or two days a week where you go climb outside on some sport climbs or boulders just for fun um, while you are, you know, like maybe you're racking up sends that aren't exactly at your max, but some, you know, some nice like third and second tier type sendage along with your training. Um, and then fall, the temps are in, you're putting clips up, you're ready to go. It's sport climbing performance season and then rinse repeat for the next year. Um, yeah. Caitlin, thoughts on thoughts on that little example cycle? Yeah, I mean, this is a really great example of how I would program one of my clients um, nutrition seasonally Mm. because with, let's say, I'll break this down a little bit more, but you have things like 
winter versus summer. So you have weather and conditions oh. that can really impact your nutrition. Listen to our cold weather episode if you haven't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then you also have things like, okay, inside versus outside. Is it humid mm. outside versus inside or vice versa? Oh, yeah. And like training in the winter in the gym is definitely more different than training yep. dif- in the summer in the correct even if there's climate control it is not the same right right so i feel like these are things that i try to understand Mm -hmm. with my my clients because if also if they're hiking like you know they're spending a big portion of their time hiking to a crag and inside they're you know, obviously not hiking. I mean, theoretically, (laughs) you're not hiking to get to an area. Um, But, you know, with outside versus inside that, those are just things that you have to consider. You have to understand what's going on with your goals and then also understand like mm-hmm. what that time frame looks like for you. So I feel like this is a really good example of someone, a lot of people I work with, because then we're able to like chunk it out a little bit more easily. And then it's like a general overall division, if if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. totally. I think that's that's a really good point. Like, you know, obviously it's like checking in with like, what are our caloric needs when we're training versus when we're trying to perform, but then also what changes when it's like, we're hiking to this boulder field that has a long approach or we have a sport climb project or we have a sport climbing area we like to go to, but it's like right off the road and there's no approach. So yeah, it's so different. Like, Mm I actually, what's funny, I'll just give an example. You might be like, this seems really overly detailed. Like, what's going on here? Um, but so for for an example, so I just went outside bouldering um, in the last weekend at the time this episode's being recorded. And I remembered from, like, some of my past bouldering trips or past days climbing outside that it was, like, good for me to eat an extra, like, thing at breakfast. So I'd maybe have, like, a smoothie Um, but then I would also try to have like a sandwich or something in the car or whatever. And I was like, oh, I should probably do that. But I was doing that for, um, like approaches that were way longer, honestly. Mm -hmm. So then this place I went had like no approach and I found that I was like good on food a lot longer and I never crashed and I packed honestly way too many snacks um and way too much water but like in a good way yeah and I felt so good all day and I was like oh yeah or like not too much I was glad to have all of them but like I definitely packed more than I needed um and I think just the lack of approach really made a difference and I was able to like go all day kind of in the sun and feel awesome the whole time and then I was rad it was sick I even had just like a protein shake and a sandwich at the end of the day and I wasn't like starving and ready to murder everyone on our like two hour drive home before we had dinner which I so, think is amazing so Lauren, yeah it matters you're saying that that's <laughs> not a requirement for a good bouldering day no Weird. you can actually <laughs> you actually can have energy the whole day to feel good and you can like have a snack at the end of the day and not require the nearest mcdonald's to give you food like asap after you get (laughs) out of the climbing area emergency big macs and mcflurries you know you can do that if you want i mean do it if you can like i just shouldn't eat gluten and then sometimes i get myself into like a pickle where i'm like my only option is starvation (laughs) or gluten or the saddest meal where i have the saddest little spongebob two salads type of hamburger and i'm like no (laughs) two salads please um Uh, but yeah so that's just an example like you might be like i don't think it matters that much but it it does it It really does like the amount of water you need like it can make a difference and it can make your day be amazing or shitty and it's up to you to like, take go care of these details. Either way, very, yes. very quickly without the planning. I mean, I'll give the example of when we were in Bishop in November. We had planned to go to the Druids one day, which I've mm. I've never been. But I've heard that that hike is so heinous. And mm. I can't remember how many vertical feet it is. And it's like a 30 minute hike. But I, 
I, the day that we were supposed to go, I was like, okay, I'm going to eat this breakfast. I'm going to get more calories and then I'm going to pack more food before the hike. I'm going to have something maybe during and then after. And even though we didn't go, it was nice to know that I had that plan. But because I was so prepared, I wasn't hungry all day. I just was like, (laughs) oh, never mind. We should just do this every day. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, okay, well, I ended up having a really good day the day that I prepped like that. So a lot of the things that I did for breakfast and snacks, like in the car, but also Mm -hmm. before we even started hiking, even to like, you know, the happies, uh, I feel like those are, it's not like the fastest, easiest hike. If you're me, I complain a lot, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but you know, it's different than what I imagine and what I've been told the Druids would be like. So I feel like if you're able to understand what these different areas require of you, if you're able to also understand the beta, like how long does it take to get there? How intense is it? I know that if you're looking on Mountain Project, for example, a lot of people are haters and they'll be like, it's not that big of a deal, but you'll know what <laughs> Very feels hard for, for you. Very helpful for me deciding how many like snacks I need to bring. Yeah. Thank you. Six foot 11 man telling me that I, it's not it's a big not deal. That, um, a, yeah. I'd like for you to carry a pad that is equivalent to the size of mine. <laughs> Uh, but on you anyway. Okay. (laughs) I digress. (laughs) Nice. Okay. No, that's, that's a very good tip tip on that one. Okay. The last one I'm going to bring up, cause I know I brought up multi-sport athletes a thousand times on this podcast, um, as a sufferer of multiple sports addictions. Um, but okay. (laughs) So I did, I did a runner boulderer combination. Uh, So this is what this will look like. Uh, so winter, we got, we're climbing training, and then I assume you're going to be doing, you know, if you live somewhere snowy or that's cold or whatever, you're maybe doing some indoor running one time a week for maintenance. So climbing training is the forefront. Maintaining some of your running is kind of on the back burner, but you're still doing it. So that's winter. Spring, outdoor climbing performance. Again, depending on, like, how close you are descending, whatever's going on, you might keep running once a week for maintenance um then summer we flip our priority so the first half of the year we are very climbing focused um and then the summer we switch our priorities to being running focused so we're going to switch to doing primarily our running training whatever that looks like for you um and then you're also going to be doing climbing maintenance work one or two times a week and i would honestly have a strength and power focus here especially because you're a boulder so you can't be doing it all all the time so i would kind of like let endurance go as a boulder and just focus on general strength. So get your lifting done. That's going to help you in all of your athletic endeavors, but also, um, you know, get your, get some like hard bouldering done and do some kind of like maintenance work. Then in fall, I made things spicy here. So this is like a little, little combo. So let's say in the fall, you have like some races you want to do well at in September, but you're also like, man, fall's the time for everything. It's a good time to run because mm-hmm. it's chilly out, but it's also a good time to send because it's chilly out. So maybe in September, you're like, okay, I'm going to run my races. I'm going to do those things. And then you're like, but then after that, like, I want to make the most of October, November, December for some climbing. So then I would have you, I would say do like a four to six week, like climbing tune up training block where you, you know, go full turn up on uh, climbing training and then get outside if you can just like kind of go hard go rock climbing get it done and then try to have like mid to late November or early November depending on how you're doing and how your maintenance work you know have November and maybe like into December depending on the weather be your uh, performance period for climbing as well so I know I'm talking about all these things like I said in these like winter spring summer fall but you can make these more like discrete six to eight week block type of things as well so yeah. Yeah. I love that. I feel like it's with multi-sport athletes. You probably see this all the time. They try to do it all. I know I have tried to do it all. I remember one day I was like, wow, I, I basically did a triathlon today. I <laughs> from work. I swam at lunch and then I ran with a friend after work. And I was like, this Uh. is a problem oh and then I (laughs) climbed on the same day like obviously that is a a good example of what not to do (laughs) but (laughs) that is not the best way to manage multi-sporting you're right well not the worst but it also depends on what every day looks like right 
yeah, like if my goal is to get better at one of those, mm-hmm. it it mm-mm, real tough. So <laughs> nice. So yeah, <laughs> sweet. Okay, well, I think that those were some solid examples. Um, Caitlin, yeah. do you want to leave the people with some lasting tips? Yes, I would sweet. love okay, to. You go, I'll go. We each have two tips. So four four rapid fire tips to close this shebang out. Perfect. You go. <laughs> okay, so my first tip is to plan your nutrition with, with in capital letters, Yeah, training. <laughs> I'm about to make Caitlin stay on this call with me so that I can ask her about this <laughs> specifically. So. Perfect. So <laughs> these two things should not be separate. If you're going to start training, let's say with Lauren in three weeks, you should also be looking to understand what that means for your nutrition specifically. Mm-hmm. So do you need to increase calories? Do you need to be mindful of where you're getting your protein, really becoming aware of this before and during training, not after is so critical. And I just feel like this is something that people will do after the fact. But if you have big goals, if you're going to start training and you want Mm -hmm. to feel your absolute best, both on and off the wall or in and out of the gym, I strongly encourage you to please consider your nutrition. (laughs) Yeah. Like start, like if you've just been doing like whatever, whenever at the gym and then you start a new training plan plan that has a lot. (laughs) I'm just going to eat whatever. It'll be fine. I won't feel bad. Uh, We're done. Okay. That's it. Sorry. (laughs) I have... (laughs) put that in the parodies list um but yeah don't do that that's a great one okay sweet so number two i think i just was in the middle of a thought and then i started singing um no that was me i started singing oh you did and then i was like we'll just stop finishing this sentence and sing (laughs) great okay Uh, more important anyway um (laughs) caitlin and lauren break out in song part whatever um so my my second tip is to get clear on your limitations so Mm. i don't mean like you know, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by this, but basically what will get in the way of you eating enough? What are some things that you like? What are some things you don't like? What is basically going to create a barrier for you in getting enough nutrition? So let's say you start training and your nutrition's going really well, but then something happens at work and you and your friend are, let's say your blade partner, not doing so well. Um, anyway, like something stressful gets in the way. If then at that point, nutrition becomes a really easy thing to just say like, meh, to hell with that. I'm going to focus on this other stuff, which mm-hmm. it does for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Then think about this ahead of time. Do you know what else you could do to make sure that it's still simple and easy for you to get your basic needs mm-hmm. met? without having to stress about it. You know, like what are your go-to meals? What are some easy things you can keep in your pantry, your fridge, and your freezer? Like, can you just get groceries like delivered, delivered to you or something? Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. Like what what are the like, you know, not hacks, but like convenient mm-hmm. things you can do if time ever becomes hard. Yeah, that's a real like plan that before shit hits the fan for sure. Yep. I say that with training well that's another reason why just tying to why we love seasonal planning like that's totally another reason why I like having a seasonal plan that I've already Mm. made because in the middle of the year when I'm like I'm overwhelmed I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now I can be like oh January me figured this out already so now I just have to like execute so have a plan. yeah and life happens but having a plan ahead of time like planning for those times in your life when things are inevitably going to shift from what your routine is mm-hmm. like I'll give the example of Coachella a lot of people just went there and their routines were <laughs> definitely disrupted <laughs> during this weeks-long party oh, oh but God. that's okay like that's something that if you're mindful of and you know what your needs are and how to meet them because you planned ahead and you were aware of that it doesn't necessarily matter if you're eating let's say like hamburgers every day, because if you know, okay, I need to make sure I'm eating enough because when I get back, I want to get back into my routine. It doesn't mean like 
drink juice the whole time you're there, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And then one thing before I get into my tips too, uh, the point of having a plan isn't to follow it perfectly. And the point of having a nope. plan is definitely not to, you know, only do it as you wrote, right? Like it's not, it's right. not about that. It's the fact that you're sitting down to be intentional and figure out like what's important to you. And then if you are clear on what is important to you, then it will be easier to make decisions as like life happens and the plan needs to change. But if you, you know, have reflected on what you care about, then it'll be a lot easier to like deal with the bumps as they come. So, and (laughs) next week we're coming out with a snack break on perfectionism. So Ah, that'll be a big one to listen to Yes, as well. So yeah, there's a lot going on there. We're not looking for perfection here. We're just looking for Mm -mm. progress. That's all. Precisely. Yes. So let's hear okay. uh, your two tips, Lauren. Yes, my two tips. So my first tip is um, to beware the slippery slope of trying to send oh something that's like close-ish. To, like it's not quite fully limit level. So in your head, you're like, well, this isn't really a project. I could probably send it while I'm like tired from training, like while I'm in a training cycle. It is a slippery slope, my friends. Um, It is funny. I was actually just talking to my coach, Blake, about this, where we were both just reminiscing. He was, like, talking about how he is abandoning training kind of unplanned because he's getting, like, super duper close to sending something. But he hadn't told me that first. So he texted me. He's, like, having a training versus whatever battle. And then I, like, (laughs) texted him back, and I was, like, so you're stopping training? to send the project and he was like yeah and I was like I did the same shit last summer like I didn't say I was doing it but it just like naturally happened I was like yeah well I'm one hanging so I'll just rest for two days send it and then I'll get back to training after that rest for two or three days go back up to it one hanging again oh just three more days and then I'll be back and then it's like oh my god I turned this training season into a performance season so just like really (laughs) be honest with yourself like yeah maybe Mm -hmm. it wasn't like the limitiest limit level climb um you know like whatever but it's a slippery slope so like watch out for that because you might just like tank your whole training season and be trying to set and also I was trying to send in like shit conditions because it was summer and I should have been training and I was trying to send when it was too hot to be like it was just stupid so just like beware of that it happens to the best of us sending is fun climbing outside is fun but you know know that that can happen even if you like know it's happening you'll pretend it's not um okay so that's my first tip love it My second tip is that a little maintenance goes a long way. So kind of like what Caitlin was saying about like have your plan in place ahead of time before like things happen. Make a game plan for how you're going to maintain climbing during like off seasons, times where you just like know you're going to be busy, like times where you're going to be performing outside and not maintaining, like make some kind of game plan for how you're going to maintain everything maintain as much as you can while you are trying to perform or while you are prioritizing another sport and make that maintenance game plan before you ever get into the situation of like needing to utilize it because it's probably going to be something where you're doing it like relatively infrequently like things that you're doing maybe maybe like once twice a week or maybe even once every like 14 days whatever but like have it done beforehand so that you're not in the middle of like caring about sending a project and going I guess I should maintenance train nah like you know so that's my other tip too like you will save yourself so much time if you just maintain certain things instead of like training 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 and then just like letting them drop off the radar for six months like you will save yourself so much time and make so much more progress in the long run if you do prioritize a little bit of maintenance training so little maintenance goes a long way that's my final tip I love that I feel like it's really helpful to have oh yeah just some quick little things to keep in mind about uh, seasonality here. So well, I think that was highly informative if I do say so myself. Um, (laughs) Caitlin, um... (laughs) before we wrap it up here, do you have anything you want the people to be aware of? Well, I just want to leave a little bit of another Easter egg for everybody. Ah. And I am going to talk more about this in the coming weeks, but just so you're aware, listener, I Mm. have a super cool masterclass coming out this summer, (gasps) and it'll be on seasonal planning for your specific nutrition, so um, based around your your seasons. So I'm really excited to talk about it. I won't go into more detail yet, but that's coming up soon. So 
That's amazing. What about you, Lauren? What do you got going Let's on? Let's see. So at the time this episode is being released, I am in the thick of implementing all of the feedback you have given me Ooh. on my lovely research survey that I have been passing around. And stay tuned because the app programs are coming. Crush It Bouldering and Crush It Sport Climbing are coming to an so app stoked. near you. I'm so excited. It's been a long time in the make- making. Like These converting to an app have been the game plan since I created these programs initially anyway. So I'm really excited that it's finally happening. So yeah, stay tuned for more details on that. Um, and then check the show notes as well for information about those programs. Um, cool. Uh, otherwise, as always, uh, check us out on Patreon It helps us if you become a patron to pay for the things that are required to keep this podcast coming out every (laughs) week. So that really helps us out if you can. Um, And then as always, leave a review, rate us, and most, most of all, tell your friends about the show. That helps us a ton too. So help us keep this thing going. Um, And yeah, I think that's, that's all she wrote. All right. Amazing. Well, until next time, folks. Keep it average. Average. (laughs) Earth Tony (laughs) came back out. Oh, boy. (laughs) Lauren here. We hope you feel a little more empowered to take a long-term view of your climbing progression. Now, I'll close us out with some exciting announcements and our production credits. Ready to take a more seasonal approach to your training? Good Spray has you covered. Inside of my self-guided training plans, you'll find resources you need for high-quality training ahead of your climbing goals and objectives. And if you didn't know already, I am in the process of upgrading my bouldering and sport climbing programs for a re-release this June. But I need your help to make these programs as useful for you as possible. So if you can take two minutes, go and fill out my survey for a chance to win a free training plan. The link to the survey is in our show notes. If you're ready to have a better hold on your nutrition needs, Caitlin has your back. Whether you're looking for some helpful resources to take your nutrition to the next level, or you want more support for your health and performance, she has a handful of coaching spots left for this summer. Snag one by heading to the link in our show notes and completing her application. And in case you missed it at the end of the episode, Caitlin has a masterclass coming out in June that'll tackle everything you need to know about seasonal planning in your nutrition for climbing. Stay tuned. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for antics between episodes and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Goodspray Coaching and Caitlin on her Instagram over at Dirtbag Nutritionist. Editing for this episode done by Josh Hayfley. The music for this episode was created and produced by Devin Dabney. The Average Climber Podcast is a part of the Plugtone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugtoneAudio.com to learn more about the other great shows on the network.